Welcome to the Nutrition on a Mission podcast. I'm Dr. James Gieselman, and my co-host is Coach Drew Sands. And together, we bring some of the leading nutritional and healthcare providers, world-class athletes, and exercise and fitness influencers from across the country who incorporate nutrition in either their practices or day-to-day lives. Our guests share with you their stories of what led them to their passion for nutrition and how you can incorporate this into your life. Hey, Drew, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good. You know, this week I've been pretty busy. I've been recruiting guys for our new club practices, you know, making a lot of phone calls and and talking to a lot of high school guys, trying to get them here Um, that we're starting this fall. And, you know, that's kept me super busy. And then that's and prepping this year's classes, which, you know, you and I both know is a lot of work. So I feel like between those two, I've worked more this week than I probably have most of the summer. Yeah. No, the classes are definitely daunting. I just finished uh, all of my CEUs, so my continuing education. So that's done. I'm licensed. I'm still legal. So now I'm starting to think about the fall classes, starting to prep those. And, and that's that's next on my to-do list. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of, you know, prepping things, you know, we're trying to revamp you know, our, our wrestling nutrition and, you know, strength conditioning, our performance manual for wrestlers. And gosh, I just feel like there's already more new research regarding, you know, the training and nutrition for athletes. And we just worked on it, you know, last summer. So, you know, it's already there and, you know, it's a lot different already, like trying to find good, you know, supplement protocols to recommend, like it changes based on, Know, what their goals are, you know, what they're trying to do. So it's difficult, you know, finding general, you know, general supplement programs, but, um, you know, you know a little bit about who we're going to talk to today and might get a little, you know, I, I completely get why textbook, you know, companies come out with new additions all the time. Cause just in the, like you said, we just did this nutrition and strength manual last year. And with all the continuing ed that I did, I kept, I kept going down rabbit holes. I mean, I I think we've talked about it before, you know, when you were in your master's, I get down these rabbit holes when I find an article that I like, and then I find three more that I like. And before you know it, I haven't even completed the task at hand. Um, So, you know, going through the continuing ed, I found a lot of new research that I want to add in. Um, So you're right. I might postpone the fall class work and work on a nutrition manual this week. Um, But, you know, I'm really excited about today's guest. So Dr. Elena and I met, uh, just this past January at a conference out in Washington, D.C. And while we were out just talking, you know, it got brought up that she was an Olympic wrestler. And of course, as soon as I heard that, I started texting you and I was like, do you know Dr. Elena? And of course, you're like, I've never heard of Dr. Elena. And I was like, oh, well, here's her last name. Like, you know, I was just starting to geek out and I didn't even know why I was geeking out. So I was just, you know, because of, of, of the wrestling connection, of course. Um, but I know she has a lot of real world experience, a lot of real world knowledge. Um, and I'm really looking forward to, you know, hearing that today and and diving into some questions with her. And I really hope all of our wrestlers are listening. I, this might be one of those things that make it mandatory that, you know, whenever they come back, they have to sit down for an hour to listen to a, to a podcast. So Drew, can you introduce our listeners to Dr. Elena? Yep. Dr. Elena Pereshkova brings over a decade of experience as an Olympic athlete. She is well-versed on rehabilitation, nutrition, supplementation, and chiropractic techniques. Having been an elite-level athlete, she knows and understands how to treat a variety of musculoskeletal issues related to sports injuries, training, and active lifestyles. During her women's freestyle wrestling career, she was a two-time Olympian, world champion, four-time world medalist, three-time Pan American champion, and nine-time national champion. Dr. Elena, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. You know, we told the listeners how we met. We met out at a conference, you know, beginning of this year. Um, you know, I swear that when you go to conferences, the people you meet, I mean, that's half the fun. You know, it's, it's as much as we need continuing education hours. It's definitely, you know, the, the uh, meeting new people, introducing yourself. And it just happened to be we started talking about a podcast. And here we are a few months later. Yeah. And that was actually my first conference because I just, uh, well, yeah, since I've graduated, I graduated a couple of years ago from chiropractic school and that was my first conference. And I would say it was a success. It was a success then. Absolutely. (laughs) I can tell you 
that was probably not my first conference. And I can tell you that with the utmost certainty. Um, but it was definitely fun. And I'm, I'm glad, you know, our paths crossed. So, you know, of course, that night we were we were chatting it up and we were talking about uh, wrestling. And, yep. uh, you know, the listeners obviously know that um, Drew is an assistant wrestling coach here at the university. Um, I've been working with the wrestling team. So I was texting him throughout dinner. And I was like, <laughs> you'll never guess who I'm sitting by. And then, of course, I'm not that deep into the wrestling world. So some of the names you were mentioning weren't quite sticking to me. I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds cool. That sounds cool. Drew's like, I know them. I've heard of them. <laughs> so, so, you know, for the listeners out there, um, can you just tell us a little bit more about uh, yourself, you know, kind of your background, kind of where you are now and, and how things are going? Yeah. So um, well, I guess I grew up in Massachusetts. Um, that's where I started wrestling. And after high school, um, I got the opportunity to go to the Olympic Training Center. I got recruited to live out there, and that's kind of where my wrestling career took off. Um, in a span of like 10 years, you know, obviously I had a very successful wrestling career. I became a two-time Olympian, world champion, four-time world medalist, nine-time national champion. I mean, there's a, there's a lot in there. <laughs> it, was, it was a long, uh, great career. It was uh, very um, fun. Um, but obviously, after wrestling, you every athlete needs to figure out uh, where life goes after. Um, and chiropractic was just like such a natural transition for me because um, I got adjusted plenty of times when I was uh, an athlete. And the first time I got adjusted, I was like, man, I was like, what is this voodoo? <laughs> I was like, okay. And then I went to go uh, see the clinic director who was a chiropractor. I was like, I was like, Dr. Moreau, I was like, I think I want to be a chiropractor. And that's actually where we met Dr. Mm -hmm. We saw Dr. Moreau, yeah. the, you know, so um, he treated me for a long, long time. So it was kind of, it was great to see him at the conference and like as a colleague now, I guess, you know, versus just me being an athlete that he's treating. So Right. Yeah. yeah so I, again, I was just talking with James before this. I'm, you know, geeking out. Like I'm excited to talk <laughs> wrestling. So we can definitely um, talk wrestling. <laughs> yeah. I say, I say, let's get right into it. Um. You just talk, I mean, talk about, you know, weight class sports in, in general, you know, from the, you know, the athlete side, but also from, um, you know, the healthcare side. And, and also, could you talk about it from like the, the female and, and the woman's perspective in weight class sports and kind of. Yeah. So that's a lot. I mean, um, so we'll start with weight class. I mean, I was definitely a weight cutter. <laughs> I cut a lot of weights. Uh, when I was competing, the weight uh, weigh-ins were before um, uh, competition. Because in, in college, you weigh in the same day as you compete. In international, uh, for a while, you were weighing in the day before. So, you know, if you're weighing the day before, you're cutting quite a bit of weight. So I competed at 63 kilos most of my career. Um, I competed at 69 kilos um, in pounds. 63 kilos is going to be 138 pounds. Definitely did not weigh that. I was probably walking around like 75 kilos, which is closer to like, I don't know, like 165, 160, like in my off season. Then I would diet down and then I would cut about 10 pounds of water. Um, I definitely had a whole system figured out. We can kind of like, you know, break that down. Um, and that, like the ability to cut weight in weight class sports, it's so, it's so individual. Um, it's based off of like, like how much you sweat. Some people, some people just don't sweat. <laughs> and if you can't, if like, if you don't produce a lot of sweat, you can't cut a lot of weight. So my body, I'm like, I can, I can sit down and probably lose like six, seven pounds in a workout, uh, which is like a lot for, especially for a woman. So for me, I was like, you know, I could bounce back up and down and you can train for that specifically too. Um, I guess I'm kind of going a little bit all over the place. I don't know if you guys have like specific questions as far as like nutritional lab. No, you're good. You can, yeah, you can continue. It's take it wherever, take it okay, wherever you, you um, like. Well, <laughs> wherever I like, oh, there's so much. Um, you guys want me to talk about my, I guess the way I would weight cuts. Yeah. I mean, that's a great topic. I mean, you, you know, cause Drew and I have the wrestlers and ever since I started working with him, probably I've been working with him five years now, six years. Um, mm -hmm. and starting about four years ago, I really started harping on hydration. Um, so I mean, yeah. you, you kind of talked about the sweating aspect because I mean, Drew used to, you know, be here in the office 
he would say how much he'd weight cut. And I did not think it was really that possible to lose that many pounds in a workout. Then I went into the wrestling room and when it's 90 degrees, like I, I get it because I probably lose and I don't do anything but sit the side, like sit in the corner. Um, but you know, like, let's talk about that a little bit. Let's just go down the hydration route because that's something that we have really started to harp on a lot. And what I'm trying to convince the athletes is that you and your opponent are going to be dehydrated. If yep. you can go in with hydration figured out, though, you already have a competitive advantage. Yeah, I think that I mean, there's definitely a science to it. And like when you think about hydration, considering how much weight you're going to cut, you have to first of all consider when are you weighing in? Mm-hmm. And like, you know, they figured out like day before weigh-ins, at least at that time uh, at the Olympics, what they do is like they do different studies and they see what's the maximum amount of weight that an athlete cuts and compared to their performance. Mm-hmm. And I think it was like about three, four kilos where um, it was like, it was a percentage of your body weight. But for me, uh, I would probably, I cut a little bit just above it. So for me, it would be like, if I could cut four kilos mm-hmm. of uh, water, I was like, that was like such an easy cut for me. You know, I'm just like, that was like a piece of cake. If I had to do five, I'm like, or five and a half, I'm like definitely doable, but I'm definitely gonna have to squeeze it a little bit, mm-hmm. you know? And so there are studies in, how much of your body or like how much of your weight percentage you can cut. And there's a calculation. I don't know off the top of my head, but you can definitely find it somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's for day before weigh-ins, right? I'm sure there's one that they calculate now for same day, right? So when, you, if like, if you're coaching um, athletes or if you're an athlete deciding like what weight class to go and how much you need to diet down, you have to figure out, okay, because you don't want to be too small. Cause like when I wrestled 69, um, I went up and I was like, I still have to cut for that weight class, but standing in line, like those girls were literally like this much taller than me. And I'm like, I'm still cutting for this weight class. I'm like, oh my God. So, you know, you definitely want to be like the biggest you can for a specific weight class, but there has to be a lot of um, like logical preparation that kind of goes into it. So you have to figure out, okay, like what's my height, where am I used to competing at? How much uh, uh, my percent of my body weight, can I cut in water and still perform? Right. So there's mm-hmm. like uh, calculations based off of just like physiology, how fast you can hydrate, uh, after weigh-ins. Um, and then, uh, you also have to prep for it. Right. So when you're prepping for a weight cut, you can't like right now, if I had to cut like four or five kilos, I'd literally probably die. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's not going to be possible. Like, um, the reason why the wrestling rooms are so hot is you have to prep your body to do that. So the way you start before like a big weight cut, um, in college, you're just doing this constantly because you're weighing in like every like week or every two Mm -hmm. weeks. But on the international level, you're competing like once a month or like once every two months, right? When there's there's bigger competitions to prep for. So what you do prepping for a big competition about like six weeks out, you start wearing like sweats to practice, right? You spend a little time in the sauna. And what you're developing is heat shock proteins in your body where your body's uh, being resistant to heat Mm -hmm. because a lot of athletes make the mistake where they're like, oh, I can cut a lot of water and I'll just like rehydrate after. And you're like, technically, yeah, you could, but how are you going to feel after is going to be completely different. Like if you just jump into the sauna and you've never done like, um, like heat exposure, basically, um, you jump to the sauna, like day before you cut a lot of weight and the next day you're just going to feel burnt. Like you're just, you know, your muscles aren't going to have any pop. Like you're going to be very mentally fatigued. So, but if you do this six weeks before and you start with like a little bit at a time and then you get to the point where it's like a couple of weeks out you've prepped your body to squeeze out like four five six seven pounds of water every single practice but then you rehydrate after and rehydration has to be like electrolytes you know not just um like gatorade gatorade is not <laughs> the best nope. hydration it's uh, a little bit of salt sugar and food dye that's you know essentially what it is you know so having like high quality or uh, some kind of uh, better electrolyte supplements. Um, make sure you're taking multivitamins because when when you sweat a lot, um, you sweat out zinc, you sweat out a lot of other different, um, I guess, nutrients and different elements um, besides just like potassium and salts, right? So, and if you're doing this constantly every single month, like week after week, month after month, year over year, a lot of athletes can develop like deficiencies mm-hmm. um, over time just by sweating so much. So sweating is good because we like sweat out different, like... I think like plastic metabolites even come out in our sweat. So sweating is very healthy and you, and like you're prepping to um, compete a specific weight class. But if the backside of like rehydration, which is not only water, it has to be a lot of different micronutrients um, uh, to help replenish everything. 
yeah, you might be successful in the beginning, but if you're looking like, for example, like I had a career that was over 10 years, you have to make sure that like the hydration process is a little bit more complex than just like, oh, drink a little bit of water. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's crazy the differences just between the day before weigh-in and the the day of weigh-in. Because it sounds like to me that the day before weigh-in, that cutting weight is, you know, best practice because you have all that time to, you know, rehydrate and, you know, refuel your body. Assuming, assuming that you did it correctly, yeah. um, you prepped for it, assuming you do it correctly. Yeah. And again, there's still like a limit to, w- to what you can do and you got, and everybody has an individual limit. There's like statistics, right. And you can be on the higher end or the lower end, right. For some people like cutting a pound of just like, the, like a practice, like I'm the person that like, I sweat, like you can like take my shirt, wring it out, sweat. And then we have girls who are like, just did the same workout and they're like, they got like a little armpit sweat. And I'm like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, you, you got to diet down because uh, like you still have to, but you have to know, like, you have to know your body, you know, you got to know how much you sweat, you got to know how much you can handle. And you also got to know how much you can mentally handle too, because weight cutting is tough, you know? And it's like, it's not for the weak hearted. Definitely. And, and I mean, you know, in college wrestling, you know, I've actually gotten to the point where I've started shying away from, you know, recommending, you know, my wrestlers to cut weight because, you know, with a one hour weigh in, it's so hard to completely refuel when you cut out, you know, especially if you start cutting out, you know, more than three or four pounds of water. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. So I just think it's so crazy that there is, um, you know, disparity. And I, I'm trying to think of what I would have been able to do if I, you know, if I had 24 hours. You'd be surprised. Like if you, if you train for, I never thought that I would be able to cut weight like this. Um, but I'm, mentally very tough and I was driven by, you know, I want to succeed. I tried a heavier weight class, but I, I was kind of like in, in a weird position where I was like, I was not quite big enough to go up, but for 63 kilos, I was definitely the bigger one. So if I cut weight, I was very successful. So even though it was kind of like hard to do, uh, winning medals and making money and traveling the world was also very exciting. <laughs> so like, you know, it's uh, you know, there's to every job, there's things that you don't like. And it was, you know, parts of it I didn't enjoy, but, um, but also, you know, parts of it were definitely unhealthy, but parts of it also like, you know, making sure that you eat very clean and you're constantly like paying attention to the way you're eating, the way you're supplementing, um, definitely, you know, made me, I I think very healthy in my age now, not that I'm getting older, but you know, I'm 36 now. And like, sometimes I look at like people my age, I'm like, wow, I'm like, I'm, I'm way healthier version, you know, people like sometimes when they get older, just because you have that, like, like a decade of basically sweating and eating healthy, you know what I mean? Where it's like, if you didn't have that, you know what I mean? It's, um, I guess reflects like later on life. So. Right. Can you, can you talk about, so now that we talked about some hydration stuff, let's talk about kind of the dieting piece. Um, Mm. so how would you, I guess, recommend, you know, to, to an athlete, to a wrestler coming in, how do you explain to them, and make them understand that it's okay to eat. Like that's where we're going to get our nutrients. I mean, you talked about supplementation, which we definitely want to talk about because I'm a pro yeah. supplement kind of person. Yeah. Um, but I also try and tell the athletes, like if we can dial in your nutrition early on, like if we can make sure you're getting nutrient dense foods, you can still eat. I mean, you know, cause I've, and Drew, and, and I'm sure you, you've probably seen people, they can tell you how much an apple weighs. I know if I put in this apple, what do I have to go work <laughs> out? Like if I put in a banana, I need to go like, I hear that all the time and it just kind of makes me laugh. Um, yeah. It's, um, it's like, it's, um, for me, like a lot of this is like second, like it, it just comes so natural mm-hmm. where it's like, sometimes when I talk to younger athletes, um, their conception of like how they could weight is, um, doesn't come from a place of a lot of knowledge, I guess. So I think education um, and, you know, that kind of comes over time. That's like, you know, in college, it's like coaches making the time to sit down, talk to athletes, learning from like older athletes, uh, doing some research on your own or like uh, coaches maybe bringing a nutritionist in. Like when I used to coach college, I, I have a sister who's a registered dietitian. Once a week or once every two weeks, we do like a nutrition course of like, how do you eat during a weight cut? What do you eat the day before weigh-ins? How do you eat the day of competition? You know, because I remember I had all these courses. Like I can say like, oh my God, this comes so easy to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was younger, like, I don't know what the hell was going on, you know? So I remember meeting with a nutritionist and um, I was actually a little chubby in uh, <laughs> my, my senior year in high school. And so when I moved to the Olympic Training Center, 
let's just say I wasn't the most impressive looking um, <laughs> specimen ready to make the Olympic team. Like I couldn't do a pull up. Um, I was like, I was like, I was just a little chubby. And I remember my coach telling me, he's like, you have a lot of potential, but here are all the resources that we have and we're going to utilize them. And one of them was a nutritionist. And I was like, I thought that was the coolest thing, mm-hmm. you know? So for me, I was like, I made an appointment with her every single week. We'd sit down, she would show me like how to come to the cafeteria, like how to have a plate. She'd be like, all right, you have, you need your carb source. You need your protein. You need this. Uh, you need like this many fruits a day. I mean, I, I know it's like the standard, like recommended diet kind of right but that was like way better than what i was doing already um and then from there we would tailor it we would do like body comps every so often and within a year i gained like 20 pounds of muscle like i was doing 17 pull-ups like i had such a transformation because like i took it so seriously i was just like i'm like man i have like i live at the olympic training center i have food made for me every single morning i go see the nutritionist once a week i'm like this is amazing you know what i mean so it's like so i had such a big like learning experience from that so obviously in college like not every athlete might have that but um i would recommend like the coaches uh either like finding videos that uh you know the athletes can learn from or hiring a nutritionist to come in like once every week and like creating like a program for them right to okay like how do we on days off how do we like before practice why is breakfast important um like when do we eat our carbs if you're trying to lose weight? So it's like a lot of this is education because you'll see like a lot of athletes sometimes they're like a week out from weigh-ins. They're like, oh my God, I got to lose weight. Yep. They're like se- severely dehydrated and eating salads. I'm like, you're going to be so constipated. <laughs> you're like, you're not going to make it to the competition. So uh, where like, you know, athletes understand like, yeah, leading up to a weight cut. I'm like, yeah, have that half a bagel because you, you want some like fast carbs, like during a workout, you just need energy to get you through your workout. You don't need to eat like a massive Caesar salad right now. Like you, that should have been like a month ago, mm-hmm. right? You like getting ready. For, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so, but the reason like, I laugh is I'm like, I used to do that too. I'm just like, I'm like, oh, time to make weight, time to eat a salad, you know? And then their nutritionist was like, no, she's like, that's a lot of fiber in your system. You're dehydrating yourself. She's like, the closer you get to competition, like the worse your food options get, because you're not worried about calories. You're worried about like day before or day of weigh-ins. You're thinking like, yeah, you're thinking how much does this weigh? Because mm-hmm. like the goal is to make weight. Um, but you know what I mean? But before you're thinking calories because you want to diet down. So just sitting down and explaining this to athletes because when i did this with my athletes they're just like wait like i can have sugar right now i'm like yeah like right now like <laughs> we can give you a couple of sugary snacks because give me energy to just make this weight cut really quick it's not going to sit, sit super heavy in your stomach so it, it, it's just education you know but it's realizing that um kids in college are uh not, not very smart when it comes to food i had um my athletes they did a food diary for like a, a couple of days and some of them were like breakfast, uh, goldfish. And I'm like, <laughs> but that was like, that wasn't even one day. That was just like multiple days, you know, and they were, they thought it was totally okay. So just sitting down and be like, like basic stuff. And now that like I'm a doctor and I treat patients, I had one patient where I'm like, like, you know, I was like, soda's bad. He's like, he's like, he's like, doc, soda's really bad for you, huh? And I'm like, I was like, I don't know. I thought he was like kind of like trying to mess with me first, but no, this guy ended up losing like 40 pounds with me because we went over like, I told him soda, soda was bad and don't, don't buy chocolate and don't bring it to your house. It's just like, you'd be surprised mm-hmm. how like for us, it might seem like common sense, but you'd be surprised how many kids just, <laughs> or patients just don't have common sense when it comes to food. Definitely. <clears throat> I heard you talk a little bit about it right there, you know, at the beginning of t- uh, talking about going to the Olympic training center. Um, how important do you feel early on in your career, the focus on, you know, lifting and gaining weight and, and trying to, you know, put your body in the correct shape before trying to cut weight. Like, do you see that as important? Yes. Yeah. Super important. So I had a really good coach. Um, they hired, so when I came, they hired a new developmental coach and um, he was the one who recruited me. He was like kind of scoping out like, you know, senior girls to bring to Olympic training center. And I remember him telling me something like, I was like, I was kind of like not offended by it, but he was just like, he's like, look, he's like, I'm not even going to show you technique right now. He's like, you just got to get in shape first. He's like, you'll be around like helping out, like doing stuff. But he's like, you'll be on the wrestling mat doing some techniques, but he's like, I'm not going to focus on any technique with you. He's like, you got to get in shape first. He's like, we need to build your physique and knowledge up before we even start doing anything technical. 
right? And that's like just a general problem that I see with the U.S. in coaching. It's just that there's not a lot of um, physical development that goes on because like in the U.S., like you join a team a week later, you're competing. You know what I mean? There's no like, hey, let's work on tumbling skills. Let's work on falling skills. Let's work on like basic posterior chain strength to hold the stance. Like there's none of that. They're just like they throw you in. They're like, all right hit your knee, dive underneath some hips. Okay. Here comes teller issues and rotator cuff tears. And, you know, like I would go to clinics and there was like some of these girls, I'm like, I'm like, you came to a forward roll, but you're taking like these diving shots. And I was like, yeah, no wonder this is your third labrum surgery, you know? So, <laughs> so that's just a whole issue in the U S how we approach sports in general. Um, because in other parts of the world, that's not how it's done. Um, the coach that we had, he um, was Russian. So he, uh, you know, he was in the U.S. already for a while. He was coaching already, but he, his system of approach was a little bit different. So with me, especially, he was like, he's like, yeah, he's like, you're too fat and out of shape basically <laughs> to do anything with. So he's like, we're going to focus on techniques. So he told me, he's like, you're going to go see the nutritionist. You're going to focus on weightlifting technique. And I loved it. I was like, yeah, that makes sense to me. So that's what I did. You know, it's like, I'm not, I'm not a good athlete just because like, um, not a good athlete, just be, I'm not like the super talented person, but I'm, I love systems and I'm very hardworking and I'm very like diligent. And they had, they started developing a very good system in place, um, at the time that, um, I got recruited and I'm literally the product of the system that they made there. And it was like, literally they were trying to figure out like a, a new way to develop athletes. They're going to recruit them. They're going to put them like through a specific training program at the uh, Olympic training center. You're going to do these nutrition classes. You're going to do these technique sessions. You know what I mean? So they really focused on doing like a wide base of um, different skills. And um, yeah, I just showed up and paid attention. So yeah. So as far as like, is that important? Super important. Um, even now um, working as a chiropractor, I have patients come in. They're like, I'm squatting like 300. And I look at them. I'm like, I don't like, I don't even know how that's possible because your squat form is just like, is really bad. Like, so bad and you know what i mean and i'm sure you guys see this all the time but it's um the fundamentals are so important because it's like you're gonna like i always tell my patients and when i was coaching same thing like it's if you build a bigger base you're gonna have a higher pyramid right so if your base is very small you're gonna you're gonna hit your peak early and then you're gonna have to break everything apart and you're gonna have to learn the fundamentals which is gonna be very emotionally mentally frustrating you know so it's like doing it correct in the beginning um saves you a lot of time and which i mean like again not because i'm super special it's just i was i got put in an environment where people paid attention to me and i just showed up and they're like keep the weight on the heels do this knee out like uh chest up whatever that it was like i was doing it and i'm literally just yeah like a product of that system where they develop um like developing a system building like a uh, base knowledge for the athletes that they're bringing in. So yeah, so it's super, super important. See everything you're saying there. I just feel like, like if I hope all of our wrestlers are listening to this, like this is, and I feel like I'm an outsider cause I don't know the technique. I can't talk technique, but everything uh-huh. you just said about building a foundation, building a base. Yeah. I mean, you know, I see it all the time. Like, you know, when I'm sitting there on the sidelines, like everybody wants to try this cool move or, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then you got the coaches over here, like Drew, he's already smirking because he knows like they want to try like all this fancy stuff. Yeah. I call it fancy stuff. I mean, and it's my all- coach used to call it the, sh- the shiny things. But like, if you can implement just the basics and get really good at the basics, have that solid foundation, whether it's nutrition, whether it's performance, you know, like I'll, I'll toot Drew's, you know, toot his own horn because he created a strength conditioning manual last year for the team hmm. i mean he just kind of revamped the whole strength conditioning which then of course i didn't want to feel left behind so we did a whole nutrition manual as well just oh, trying to give the that. team you know the basics like this is where we want to start to prepare you and get you to the level that you want to be because um, yep. too many times like yeah. you know too many times they say like they want to go off and win a title win a, win a championship do all this stuff but it's a lot of work. Like, I mean, that's the cool, sexy part of a sport, like getting the medals, getting everything, but no one sees the six, eight, 12 months of work that you had to put in for it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's the thing, like, uh, just like anything, you know, people like, you know, I have my own business mm-hmm. and people are like, Oh, having a business is so awesome. Like it is, <laughs> I love it. But I'm like, it's to, to get that set up was a lot of work. Yeah. Like the Olympics were really cool, but you know, <laughs> it took a lot of work yep. to get there and it's the, 
where the disconnect happens for a lot of people is just everybody wants the cool thing, mm-hmm. but it quickly gets separated on who like uh, yeah. who's talking to talk uh, and uh, who's kind of like walking the walk yeah. or whatever the expression yeah. is. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's just a lot of like, you know, we all want different things, but, um, you know, actions speak louder than words. So uh, I, I used to coach for a couple of years. So, you know, I would have athletes, they're like, coach, I want to be national champ. And then they miss like a week of practice. I'm like, yep, <laughs> I see it. <laughs> I see it. So yeah. what, it, what, still going along the whole training. So what did a typical training period or session look like for you? I mean, cause you were talking, you know, on the international level, you may have competitions once a month versus your collegiate mm-hmm. days, like kind of when did training start? How far out did you know that you were going to be in a certain competition? Yep. Yep. So to give you an overview, so you train year round. So it's a little different than college um, in a sense where college you, I mean, you, you do train in the off season, but like your very intense season is called like um, through the school season, I guess, uh, whatever that season is. Um, uh, for us, we would train year round. So the, the way we would train is slightly different. So there's a like peaking involved. Um, so the way the season would start, um, you base it around the two most important competitions, which is uh, your national slash world team trials which are you know about like a month and a half apart um and the worlds or the olympics whatever that big world competition is that year so um after the worlds the worlds are usually in september usually most people take about a month off so in november you kind of start doing like preseason training you start doing a little bit more uh running uh first just to kind of start getting in a little bit more cardiovascular shape then you go through a couple of week program of hitting the weights really heavy so you're trying to bulk for the season because throughout the season when you're cutting weight you're not going to be able to lift as much just because you're cutting weight so you're trying to gain a lot of mass so you might not be able to maybe wrestle the weight class that you want so like in the beginning of season sometimes i would wrestle up a weight class and you just go into a tournament like the thing is like when you're prepping for tournaments this is like you're not like going to the France open, you're like, this is it. You're like, okay, I, okay, this, this year we're going to work on this technique. Okay. So we're going to start introducing it at this easier tournament. You know, obviously we want to win. If we don't like we're, you know, we're going through the motions. We're like building because we, the performance only matters, um, making the team and then, um, or like a ranking tournament or something. And then obviously the world's right. Everything else that's nice to win, but it's a learning process. So in the beginning of the season, you start getting a little shape, which is like around November. You start going into a heavy lifting phase, like December, January. Um, then comes like a lot of international competitions through the spring, a lot of camps. So it's still very heavy, a lot of training. Um, then nationals are like in April, world team trials are in June. Um, as you're getting closer to nationals, world team trials, you start prepping for the peak. So that whole s- spring was very heavy. Then right before big competitions, um, you know, you do the whole peaking process where you like cut the load, right? Uh, lifting becomes like, you don't do one rep maxes. Like we did that once and like pe- too many people get hurt, but you do like more, you know, low reps. You just coming in for like power, but you're not doing like five sets of 10 slow negative. Like <laughs> that's done in like November where you're like building a lot of mass. Um, you're building more for like, you know, th- there's like, I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but there's like different patterns that you follow for weightlifting, right? You build a lot of mass, so a lot of reps, a lot of sets, then it becomes like maybe like four sets of three or something. And then one, you know, maybe you're not going full range of motion. It's just more based off of explosiveness. Um, And you do lose a little bit of mass throughout the season, which is not too big of a deal. Um, And then there's different uh, pattern of the way you introduce technique. So in the beginning of the season, around November, December, January, you start implementing like the techniques that you want, like to start learning this year. A lot of it's like longer sessions. You're like really breaking the technique down. How does this feel? Then comes like that spring uh, season where you're competing a lot. So you're going out and you're trying these things, right? Then you got to go out and perform, make the team. Then you have a couple of international competitions through the summer, but you pick very specific ones. You're like, all right, maybe I want to uh, make sure I compete against this person because I think they're going to be at this competition or maybe I'm injured. I want to go. I still want to get a competition in, but I want to go to like a lighter one. You know what I mean? So you kind of base it off of like what the athlete needs. And then you go for the big competition. And obviously there's a whole um, like about six, eight week um peaking cycle that kind of goes into it. They kind of destroy you right before it. And then, you know, if you go in, in international, then, you know, you have like two weeks easy. You feel like crap, but then day, day of competition, you're feeling pretty good. <laughs> so, and then you take some time off again and then it goes again. That's like a year cycle. And then you look at like a four year cycle. So there's like 
year cycle you're looking at the worlds and then there's a four-year cycle where you're looking at the um olympics right so then it's a little bit of bigger perspective as far as like okay so as a because my coach would break this down for me like how he would approach it he's like all right as an athlete i look at who you are the techniques that i would like you to learn so by olympics like these are the techniques that i see that you lack and this is what i would like to hit this is the approximate span that i would break it down over the years um you know there's obviously like the physiological aspect that's usually the same to follow like when you're doing your conditioning when you're doing your strengthening like are we going twice a day are we going once a day you know that's done by the physiologists and they kind of communicate that with the coaches um but then there's this like yeah like the technique cycle that you want to follow over like a four-year period then a year period so uh hopefully that kind of yeah. like helped you guys yeah and there's there's a lot it's like it's um like you know i'm kind of like rush not rushing over but there's like a lot of details that go into it um and it's fun i really loved living that lifestyle like you know like i'm a prepper so i'm like i love to like look at things i'm like here's the plan doesn't mean it's going to go perfect, but like, okay, here's a four-year plan. This is the one-year plan. This is a three-month plan. This is the one-week plan. (laughs) So it's it's a very like structured life. I wish my athletes would understand that peaking process because (laughs) they hate when, you know, we're in the middle of season and we're wrestling tournaments and and duels that really don't matter. And, you know, we're lifting heavy or, you know, we're training heavy and they're like, you know, I'm I'm exhausted. You know, why did why are we training so heavy? Well, this competition, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, it's, you know, we, we just want to see you wrestle. We just want to, you know, put as much stress on you so that, you know, when it's time to actually compete, you know, you've been there, you've, you know, you yeah, exactly. Like you, stre- you, there's different ways to stress them. You take them maybe to, you take them to see uh, a difficult team where, you know, they're going to get they're they're kind of like their mm-hmm. butt kicked. Right. But that's, purpose you know they, the athlete might walk away and be like oh my god and you're like yeah well like the as a coach you're like maybe you've never had this before so you kind of need to experience this right so then like as a coach you have to look at somebody like physically and mentally who they are and you got to be like all right well you know maybe you are getting a little too cocky we're going to take you to a tournament to take you down a notch here you know or maybe you're like you know what you're really struggling with some self-esteem so we're going to take you to a super easy tournament you're going to feel great you're going to get a trophy you know what i mean so there's different like ways to approach like what tournaments you select you know and when you're a young athlete like you don't understand any of that you know my coach would take me to an easy tournament I remember my first international tournament that I went to, I ended up getting a bronze. And I remember like being de- depressed for like four, six weeks after. And my coach was like, he's like, I didn't even think you would medal. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, I wanted to win. He was like, no, he's like, you did really good for your first time. But like, I remember just being like destroyed by that. And he was just like, no, he's like, you're doing fine. You know? So, you know, as you get older, you, you start like learning the process where you like the coaches, like the coach will tell you like, Hey, we're going to go face this tough competition because this girl likes to throw this way. And this is like one of the things that you struggle with. We got to make sure we match you up with her or we're going to go see her at this camp, you know, but when you're young in college, it's, it's hard because a lot of these kids aren't developed yet, you know, like emotionally and mentally. So it's like, you know, you're still dealing with kids to a certain extent, especially like freshmen and, you know, the first two years. So it's, it's, it's a little frustrating. (laughs) Definitely. So, I'm going to switch gears just a little bit. And I know you talked a little bit about substances earlier. I kind of want to go opposite. How do you, how do you work around, you know, banned substance list and, you know, maybe what supplements you, um, you know, recommend. What supplements I would use. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a very, um, it it was hard for me. Um, I made a, like a, a lot of changes throughout my career. Cause in the beginning, when I first started competing, um, I was hanging out with a couple of Turkish athletes that I met. Um, and this is the fun thing about when you're at Olympic training center, you're like, Oh, Hey, I made friends with this, uh, Turkish speed walker. I mean, her were just hanging out in the lobby talking supplements. And I was like a young kid and she's like, what's up, what's your supplement regime? And I was like, I don't take supplements. And I thought I was so cool. She's like, no, I'm all natural. Like I don't need those. And she's like, how old are you? I was like 19. She's like, talk to me in a couple of years. So I always remember that moment. I was just like, I was like, you know, I was like, am I really missing something? Now I'm like such a big supplement fan. Um, so 
when you ask, like, for example, when I would meet with my nutritionist, they, nobody can officially recommend anything to you because if they do, they're going to be liable. So when I would go to my nutritionist, they're like, oh, well, mm, uh, you know, like some people might take it. I was like, is there a brand? Is there this? And this is actually how I got into nutrition because nobody would answer my questions, like meaning that they're like, just eat a healthy diet. That should be enough. And I was like, I know you don't believe that. I'm like, but it's just for liability purpose. Nobody can tell you to take anything. And even when I would, like, I remember when I had my first concussion, I was like, well, how do I get better? They're like, just rest. And I was like, there's like nothing like I can do. And no, people were even afraid to uh, recommend me fish oil. Right. So this spurred like this whole nutrition thing. Um, so for like my 10 years plus of competing, like between practices, I would like read nutrition articles. I'm like, Ooh, what's this PubMed thing? I'm like, this seems like it really has some important information on here. So I was like reading articles throughout my whole career be just because nobody would answer these questions for me. So I started researching and figuring out like different ways that I could do this myself. And, um, I started, you know, playing around with different supplements. Then I, you know, started figuring out like, okay, you have to make sure that you research the supplements that you are taking. So then you start going with like more reputable brands. Um, the ones that make their own supplements first of all, because you know you want to avoid cross contamination. There's like the NSF safe stuff, right? So there's different ways that you can um, get around it. Um, so that's when, um, yeah. So later on, I started getting supplements, and I think the biggest person who also like kind of, I would say like topped my knowledge off uh, throughout my career. Um, do you guys know who Charles Poliquin is by any chance? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So Charles Poliquin, he was my strength coach. Okay. Um, which I felt so lucky to have him as my strength coach. And I learned so much from him and he got me so strong. Like that guy was very good at what he did and our workouts were so simple. And so he lived in Colorado. He lived like 30 minutes North of the Olympic training center. So I would go, instead of working out at the Olympic training center, I would drive up to his house. He had a gym set up in his house. And after we'd work out, me and him would just chat and I would just ask him questions on different supplements. And he was like developing his own. And he's like, knew all, he knew all the people who created like, um, Nutridyne, Metagenics, mm -hmm. uh, Designs for Health. Yeah. And I thought like half the time he was always like bullshitting, right? But then like he connected me with, um, that's how I actually ended up getting my scholarship at the uh, University of Bridgeport because he knew the guy at the, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. one, like, so he was very well connected. But with him, he really taught me how to use supplements correctly. And I got so jacked with him, like to the point where USA Wrestling was calling me. They're like, are you on steroids? <laughs> So like, just because like, I, there, I have to find this video. There's one video of me competing in Cuba. And this was like during our bulking phase, I've never had like massive traps, but like, I, like my muscles were like really popping. Like I was, I went up a weight class. He was like, look, we're going to get you so strong. At one point with him, I was like benching 75 kilos. It was like, I have never done, now I'm like 10 pounds of bar. I'm like, I don't super heavy, but with him, it was, you know, three times a week sometimes four, never more than 45 minutes or an hour. It was like three, four lifts, but he was very specific on how he wanted us to lift and the different like protein that he wanted us. He'd be like, all right, we're going to do protein shakes after we'd, he'd, he'd go make us protein shakes because we didn't lift at his house. Mm -hmm. Um, it was that, it was me, Vicky, Victoria, Anthony, and, uh, Helen Marulis. So all of us were training with him. So we'd all drive up, we'd lift with him, hang out. He'd give us all free supplements. He's like connected us uh, to get supplement sponsors. Like he was hooking us up. So um, yeah, so with him, I learned how to supplement correctly, how to take the right supplements. And he wasn't afraid to kind of like go outside the box, right? Whereas like a lot of people are afraid to do um, supplement recommendations. He really wasn't, um, but he was also outside the system, but it also created a lot of problems because USA Wrestling was like breathing down his neck, our necks. They're like, mm -hmm. are you taking steroids? Like, like, are you tested? Are you gonna test positive or not? Because at one point I was taking the supplement. It was called um, IGF two, and I know IGF one is like a steroid, right? But it's called IGF two because um, the amounts of growth and natural testosterone production it can do within your body, and all it is is acetylcarnine and alpha GPC. So those, and then he was like, "Yeah, he's like, it's gonna boost your testosterone, all this stuff." And it was right. Like within six weeks of lifting during our bulking phase, if you take it. I got so jacked and he's like, nope. He's like, the effect only lasts for six weeks. Then you take it, take a little break and take it again. But it was also a great study aid. Like people who have like, if you have ADHD, you have like issues like with memory fog, like, cause I had a lot of concussions. Mm -hmm. I took that stuff all the way through school and it's like, I've never took Adderall, but I'm assuming that's how Adderall feel. Like you take it, you can study for like four or five hours, like just on point, remember everything the next day. 
and all alpha GPC is it like it helps um, with the STL cooling production. I forget like the specifics of it, but it basically helps with mitochondrial function and helping retain like certain neurotransmitters. And it's just a supplement you can get over the counter, but it's called IGF-2 just because of the uh, effects that it can produce in the gym if you're lifting heavy and you're taking this supplement. And it's like the effects last about six weeks. So if you time it correctly, you can have this really good growth, right? And it's all natural. So yeah, so when you saw it come and test me, I'm just like, IGF-2 by, uh, I think it was like ATP Labs. Um, and ATP Labs, like it's a... Um, a supplement Canada. Canada has really good supplements just because their standards are a lot higher than ours. Um, not in everything, but at, at least government regulated, I guess. So, yeah, I know that was a ramble, I, but I think a lot of the listeners, especially our wrestlers, probably just made a mental note, especially being <laughs> athletes that they're alpha, alpha GPC and acetylcarnine. Yep. You take it in the morning, empty stomach with a cup of coffee. Wait 30, 40 minutes before you eat because if you eat, in my opinion, kind of um, takes the effect of it off. Mm -hmm. And as, if you, for me, because I had a lot of concussions, like I would feel it like instantly, like all of a sudden, like you're like super happy, you're super open, you're just like super relaxed, you're in the moment. And I'm like, man, like, and I could just like, like, I was like, maybe I do have ADHD. I don't know. Like, if I can like focus like this for five hours on this, like, this is amazing. The effect does wear off a little bit, right? So especially in the beginning, um, it's it, you'll feel a very strong effect. And then you take a little bit of time off and then you can take it again. It could be used as a study aid. It could be used to like be more productive at work. You know, um, if you're going to hit the gym, whenever you're going to work out, you can take it. Just don't take it at night because you're not going to be able to sleep. <laughs> it's going to keep you up. Um, but yeah, so like, but things like that where um, the nutritionist at the Olympic Training Center was very good, but she can't like give me like a specific supplement regime to figure out what my needs are, you know, but with him, like he really helped me recover um, after all my concussions. Cause going into school, I was like, cause I had 12 concussions throughout my career and it's quite a lot. So I was just like, I was like, I don't know. I was like, will I be able to make it through school? <laughs> I was like, we'll see. But honestly, following the supplement regimes that Charles uh, recommended to me. Um, yeah. Like I, I don't feel like I have any like residual effects now. Whereas like towards the end of my career, I was like, I was like, I still feel like, you know, like, like, I'm not like maybe as sharp as I was, you know, or like, um, like get headaches more often. So, but now like I feel way better, way better. So, so let's talk a little bit about, um, injuries then. Cause I mean, I'm sure, you know, with a career such as yours, like, um, you know, you just mentioned all the concussions, like, yeah. What are some of the supplements? Maybe what are some of the nutritional changes that you made during any sort of injury uh, mm -hmm. period? You know, yeah, it's, it's Super important. Yeah. So um, I was super diligent. As soon as I'd get hurt, I would jump on my, I would call like my recovery protocol. Okay. Um, you go into um, low inflammatory foods, right? Um, like you can eat some red meat, you're not eating high amounts of it. Um, like I'm not eating any sugar, like whatever my diet was, like I clean it up super fast. Um, I would take high dose uh, turmeric um, or curcumin. Um, I would do fish oil, um, multivitamins, um, I would do magnesium, um, I would do graston, I would do like a lot of like self work on it as well, instead of always going down to PT. Um, but one of my biggest supplements, I would say like one of my secret ones that I would take when I was competing was, um, I don't know if you guys ever heard of a supplement called Mumiyoa or like Shilajit. You guys know what the supplement is? Okay. Look this up. This is mm, the best stuff. So it used to be used in the Soviet Union. So this is going to sound like some like <laughs> supplements from the Soviet Union. <laughs> so, um, but they used to use it in the Soviet Union. Um, and the way I actually came across the supplement, my sister um, uh, was married to uh, like somebody from the, he was Russian, but he lived in Uzbekistan mm -hmm. for a while. And she ended up slicing her hand, like cooking, like really bad to the point where like you could see her tendon in her hand. And she's like, yeah. So I, was, I came hang out with her. And she's like, yeah, like my husband gave me this like weird black stuff. And like, I just put it on this wound and she's like, it healed really fast. And I'm like, my mind, I'm like, what is it? Right. And I look at it. There's like some Russian packaging. I'm like, it looks like a piece of black tar, some Russian packaging. I'm like, so I'm trying to look this up. I'm like, I can't find it. So it took me weeks to figure out like what the supplement was. So I finally found a place to buy it. 
because he was like, no, he's like, I got it from Russia. So I finally find a Russian store that sells it. I buy it. I find like some obscure Russian site, like some that explains like the mineral content of this thing. Now it's a lot more common. You just look up Mumior or look up Shilajit. Um, you'll find a lot of stuff on it. So what it is, it's a resin that collects in caves or on the outside of rocks, uh, basically like millions or thousands of years of decaying matter, like animals, plants, everything, and it filters through the rock. And it's basically like this black substance, right? So it's it's very, um, it's like fulvic acid. So mm -hmm. like fulvic acid is like a very big supplement now. A lot of people are pretty into it. But this is the stuff where you, it's like the natural fulvic acid where you basically go mine the stuff in caves. It's basically all this dead material that filtered through rocks. Mm -hmm. So it's a bunch of, I think it's like, I don't remember exactly, but like 70 different uh, vitamins and minerals in ionic form. So it absorbs very easy. And if you take this stuff um, in Russia, uh, and uh, now there's a lot more studies available on it. It heals bone twice as fast. So let's say if you, if it's going to take you like eight weeks, it might take you like six or four. Right. So like, interesting. And then I remember I brought this up to my Russian coach and he was like, yeah, he's like, I remember taking this stuff when I broke my bone in like Russia. Like, yeah, my coach gave me this. And I'm like, all right. Like, I'm like, this stuff's like magic. So whenever I'd like get hurt, I would put that stuff, uh, or I would take that stuff, mm -hmm. uh, for a couple of weeks. And it honestly reduced my recovery rate by a couple of weeks for sure. So especially like if you got hurt, like before a big competition, that stuff was very good. Um, on top of like fish oil and other things like anti-inflammatory stuff that I was doing. Um, and then the other one that I would use, which was, it's, it's a little controversial. And when I asked like the chiropractor at the Olympic training center, I'm like, you guys, I'm like, you need to think with an open mind. Um, uh, do you guys know what DMSO is? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I was a big fan of it. So th this, this would be my protocol for DMSO. I was like, I'm at a competition. Um, I was at, I think we were at World Cup or something. This Canadian girl uh, tears my LCL. I'm like, I can tell it's like a grade two. My knee swells up. So I take my DMSO. For those who ever want to try this, just understand that it, whatever's on your hands or on your skin or whatever, it's going to pull it into your body. Um, so if you can't have any lotions, nothing, no dyes, um, if you had plastic on your hands or something earlier, if you had like some kind of tape on it, that stuff is going to seep in even like little micro amounts. Um, cause I made this mistake before <laughs> it will suck everything in. So you have to apply it with your hands and you have to wash it, but you can't be using like lotions, none, none of this stuff. Um, it smells really bad. It smells like a pound of garlic just got opened up. Um, and it's going to be coming out of your breath. It's going to be coming out of your pores. So it's not a very like, it is, it is what it is, right? But I was uh, in it for the recovery purposes. So my knee is like super swollen. I take this DMSO stuff. I rub it all over my knee. My knee goes down to like regular size. I'm like, all right, I'm going to start my collagen orientation growing in the right direction day one. So I go out for a walk. I wrap my, uh, my knee up in like some cotton, go for a walk, come back, my knee swollen again, like douse it with DMSO again. And I would just do this for like the first week. And like I could go from like having like a grade two MCL LCL strain um, and having full knee flexion and extension, I would feel the instability, but I would have no pain and I would have full range of motion within like four or five days. Then on top of taking the Mumio, taking all my supplements, I could have like a grade two tear in like four, five, six weeks. I'm like feeling pretty good, you know? So that was like my protocol. I mean, like not everybody's gonna do it. I was a little crazy when I was competing. So I was just like, whatever it takes. I'm like, people are like, you smell weird. I'm like, it's okay. Like it is going to be, <laughs> it is what it is. But, and those aren't recommended because, you know, like when I brought this up to the chiropractor at the Olympic training center, he's like, no, there's studies that show that, you know, they cause like blindness and the dogs that they use and stuff. But, you know, if you actually read the study, like them, they were literally like drowning them in mm -hmm. DMSO for like days on end, you know, you know, so I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm willing to risk some cataracts for the Olympics, you know, <laughs> so, I don't recommend it, but you know, it's been shown to, well, it's, it's been shown to be safe in humans for the most part, but just understand that like when, when people look at studies, just because something is like a specific way in like certain animals, doesn't mean it's going to be the same way in humans. And one thing Charles taught me, um, he's like, He's like, if you're going to be on the cutting edge and discovering new things, he's like, you're not going to find it by, uh, he's like, you're not going to discover it by doing 
the current protocols. He's like, you're going to have to experiment and you're going to have to be okay with making mistakes and going outside the bounds, which I'm, I'm the type of person I'm totally okay with doing that. You know, and he, he showed me that I was like, man, like he was such an interesting guy to talk to. It was just like the way he was approaching recovery and different supplements and the way they're produced and these different peptides that could do all these different things. He was like all about experimentation. So like, I love hanging out and learning from him, but at the Olympic training center, like everybody had you know, it's a very, it's like government, right? It's very rigid. These are the rules. These are like, nobody goes outside of this till it's like 50 years later and it's proven a hundred percent, you know? So you just got to understand that if you are willing to try new things or be on the, like, um, people who are discovering new things aren't following the rules necessarily, you know? So, um, you know, and could that potentially go bad sometimes? Yeah. Yeah. But that's the risk you take. So I think we're getting pretty close to the end. Um, my last thing for you is what are some things you'd like to leave, you know, the young athletes who are, um, you know, wanting to cut weight, you know, maybe, you know, young wrestlers, what, you know, what is, what would you like to leave them with that, you know, they can take and and use the rest of their career? You know, I think we can go back to like building the basics. If, if you're not, if you haven't mastered the basics, there's no amount of like, I'm going to be Olympic champ. I'm going to be national champ. Like, like none of that's going to happen without you doing the basics. Like nobody ever became great by skipping that step. So if you're not there, you know, you're not going to become great just because like, there's no foundation to stand on. And a lot of times like young athletes will think that going to extremes, right. Whether it's like not eating for four days to cut weight, you know, like being a martyr and just being like, crazy doesn't pay off in itself. Like you can be like a little bit more, you know, like we talked about, like pushing the edge as far as like a different supplements to try, you know, there's ways to be extreme, but if you're going to pick one thing to be extreme about, it's like be extreme at like the basics, be like, okay, I am going to have the best squat form ever, right? I am going to be, I'm going to follow whatever uh, our nutritionists tell us to a T, right? Even if I don't understand it, but I'm just going to do the basics. If you do that, one thing I've learned in life is like most people do not do the basics. You know, I had a sister who works in like New York corporate and she was so nervous in getting a job. And I was like, I was like, I don't know how it is. Like everywhere I go is like, most people just do not do the basics. I'm like, that's just human nature. I'm like, if you show up on time, do the bare minimum that's expected. Like you're literally like 80, 90% of the, the way there in most professions is because as silly as it sounds, most people don't do the basics. Right. And like, you know, if you point out to your athletes, you're like, did you eat breakfast? Did you follow, did you eat the right amount of carbs? Did you do this? Be like, if no, like we can't talk about tweaking certain interesting things. Like, you know, I, my patient, same thing, like doc, how about we try this? I'm like, you have a master squat form. Like, we are not going to talk about high bar, low bar, like, like wide squat. You know what I mean? I'm like, none of that matters. Like, like till basics are mastered. You know what I mean? This is like rules for life. You know, it's like, if you can't do the basics of whatever is required, whether it be like relationships, whether it be like cooking skills, whether it be like squat form, wrestling technique, if you don't know how to hold a stance, no amount of like crazy, like deep, like dive ankle pick, something's going to work because if, if you're going to be easy to snap down, like <laughs> your crazy ankle pick doesn't matter anymore, you know? So it's like basics, basics. They're not super fun to do, but the people who get the furthest are the ones who stay consistent with that piece at least. Yeah, I mean, we push we push the little things all the time. I mean, you know, it, it, once you get to a certain level, you know, the little things are really what make you know the the minute improvements. And and at a certain level, those minute improvements are what give you an edge over you know your opponents. It's you know being able to be consistent and do you know be really really good at the little basic you know things. So I I, I like that. Yeah. Yeah for uh any of the providers that are listening like that was great you know advice for for the athletes for any of the providers now that you you know have both sides of this mm-hmm. what uh what's some advice you have for for the providers listening that uh, maybe working with athletes maybe working with you know olympians elite athletes um for just you know how to improve their their day-to-day practice um i think two things uh first of all understanding the mindset mm-hmm. um you know when an athlete comes in, they don't want to hear like, oh, hey, you have an MCL sprain. Let's just take two weeks off. You know, athletes want to plan. So you and you, if you want to be part of their uh, process, you got to be part of their plan and got to help them create a plan. So, you know, you tell them, be like, all right, you have a great two MCL tear. This is how long it takes to heal. Maybe these are the supplements we're going to incorporate. Um, these are like uh, clean 
uh, brands that I'm going to recommend. Uh, these are the exercises we're going to do. If I do PT with you, perfect. If not, this is the place I recommend to do PT. You're going to come in and get adjusted by me. Like if, if you're just uh, strictly don't doing adjusting, right? If you're PT who does, uh, or if you're a chiropractor who does PT, you know, you can incorporate that and be like, all right, we can expect, you know, then they want to know like how long it's going to take. I have a competition in a month. Can I do it? Right. And, or like, I'm still going to compete, but how can we make it? Right. So I'm feeling a little bit better. Right. So just understanding the mindset where it's like, you know, a lot of times, like if somebody told me like, oh, you know what? Cause I want one of the competitions for the world's like I had a grade two MCL tear and it was like, I just got a couple of weeks before. And if somebody's like, Hey, just don't go compete. And I'm like, no, because this is money. And this is like, this is how I make money. So it's like saying like, you know what? You just have a headache today. Just don't show up to work for the next month. It's okay. You know, like, that's not acceptable. So just understanding that, especially like high level athletes, like they want to plan, they're usually willing to execute it, especially if they're at that level. So um, giving them instructions and giving them a plan of how things are going to get better versus saying like, oh, wow, this really sucks. We're just gonna take some time off and heal. But it's not, um, it's not gonna work. And then if you're working with athletes, um, one of my greatest strengths right now is like, uh, my basics, right? So mm -hmm. learning, like I have very good lifting technique, right? So when an athlete comes in, whether it be like, let's say I have a 50 year old who was like, used to be a lifter. Um, and now, you know, they're like, I have right hip pain. And I look at them I'm like, you know what? Yeah, you have really good form, but like at this place, you can see your knee wobble in a little bit. And that is creating like the anterior impingement that you're having. So, okay. So we're going to, let's test like some single leg stability. Oh yeah. It's, you know, obviously you're better maybe than the major population, but you know, we're going to do a little bit of glute strengthening on this side. So being very good at recognizing like muscular imbalances and learning how to treat those, meaning like you need to learn how to lift correctly, right? Um, or at least guide the athlete, or yeah, the athlete through um, that technique. Because um, if you're not, then, I mean, you can still treat the patient for pain, but you're not going to be able to, um, I guess, fix their technique as much. But, you know, if but again, it depends on the level, like that might not be your place, right? They might have already a lifting coach that's that they're responsible for. It's just understanding like your role within the patient's care. You know, like if some if you're treating an athlete at the Olympic Training Center, they have their lifting instructor, they have this, you know what I mean? So it's just like, if you see an imbalance, be like, hey, tell your lifting instructor this, this, and this, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. But um, being a little bit more proficient and like understanding how the body moves, not just um, like doing spinal adjusting, which is still great. Um, but if you want to work with athletes specifically, you have to, in my opinion, like understand that side a little bit more. Yeah, no, that's, you know, that's really good info, you know. So I, I work with FIX. I'm one of the co-chairs for the education committee, and that's the International Federation of Sports Chiropractic. And oh, yeah, one yeah. thing that we really try to get providers to know is that you're part of a team. I think too often, like especially in our profession, you know, chiropractic profession, everybody wants to be the end all be all to everyone. True, true. Yeah, and yeah. understanding that you have a role in this, yeah. you know, process, like, you know, Dr. Moreau, yeah, he was overseeing the care at the time. But I mean, yeah. each step of the way, there is somebody there who is an expert at that level. Yep, um, there's a system. Yep, there's yep. a system. And so knowing, and not getting offended or hurt, you know, with some, yeah. like, I'm not the lifting guy. Like yep. I would not yep. expect to come up with, you know, I, I could sit, I could find the imbalance, but then I'm going, yep. Hey Drew, here's an imbalance. Like let's fix it. So, you go and fix that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If you're working with a team, you got to know your role, right. but if you're working as like, um, somebody who's like maybe your own office, oh, yeah. your role might be different mm -hmm. or like learning how to, um, you know, go see this provider or like, you know what I mean? Like having them seek other resources. Yeah. Like chiropractors do have a tendency to be like, I'm going to be the one I'll be all. And they're like, no, like, you know, I might know nutrition. Like I, I definitely had that. Um, when I first started practicing, I'm like, I will fix you. Yeah. And then I was like, all right, you know what? You need a psychologist. I'm like, you need a nutritionist. You need to go uh, sign up with a personal trainer, <laughs> you know, and you can still see me, but you know, there's other resources that you need as well. Yeah. Well, Dr. Elena, we thoroughly appreciate it. Um, we appreciate your time. I know I've enjoyed it. I sure hope you're planning on going back to engage next year. Um, cause Drew and I, I will try. Yes. <laughs> Drew and I are both planning on being there. Um, so we wish you the best. Thank you again for, for joining us today. Um, and take care. Thank you. Have a good one guys. Before we wrap up, we want to take a minute to talk about the council on nutrition. I've been a member of the council for five years now, and we've actually been published in their peer reviewed journal, nutritional perspectives. 
The symposium that they put on is one of my favorite things to attend each year, and it's a great asset for getting my continuing education credits, meeting other professionals, and it's great for students and new practitioners like Drew. The Council on Nutrition is available to everybody from practitioners to our listeners and patients. You can find more information about joining and getting access to the annual symposium, publications, events, and more at www.councilonnutrition.com. This episode has also been brought to you in part by Iowa Performance Institute. Is starting a new workout routine overwhelming to you? Looking to make your workouts more efficient? Get the most out of your workouts with Iowa Performance Institute's personalized fitness planning. Our team of experts will create a program that's tailored to your body and goals so you can achieve the results you want. Whether you're looking to build muscle, lose weight, or improve athletic performance, we have the knowledge and experience to help you succeed. With our adaptive online practice and cutting-edge training techniques, you'll be on your way to a healthier, happier you in no time. Invest in your health and schedule your free consultation today at performanceiowa.com. James, I was geeking out over all the wrestling talk. You know, I love being able to talk wrestling. And then when you pair it with, like, literally every other everything that I do, like, mm-hmm. I felt like I could read her mind on what she was going to talk about or say next. Oh, you know, I loved that everything she said, you know, being that she was an elite uh, Olympian is the exact same thing that I hear you and the other coaches say on a daily basis to our guys. Um, You know, I particularly enjoyed the part when she started talking about the basics. You know, I thought the whole conversation was great, but just going back to basics and building that strong foundation. I mean, that applies to the wrestlers, but that applies to nutrition and day-to-day life, but it also just applies to the academic side of, you know, our stuff. So what was your big takeaway of today's podcast? I mean, my big takeaway was the exact same thing because we preach the little things over and over in our program. And hopefully maybe now that someone else has said it, my wrestlers will finally listen to it. Um, That's not guaranteed, but that's a hope. And then, that and there were some cool supplements and practices that she mentioned when she was training that I was just kind of like, let me jot this down. Like, let me, you know, geek out over that a little bit. Oh, definitely. I have a feeling that, you know, when our, when, when the athletes come back um, or even whenever they just listen to the podcast, I have a feeling we're going to get asked about uh, several of those products, several of those supplements. So, so if you want to learn more about any of the products or resources mentioned in today's podcast, make sure that you check out the show notes for links. Drew, have a great week. Remember, new podcast episodes will be released weekly and we'll drop on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more every Monday with special behind-the-scenes clips shared on our social channels throughout the week. We appreciate everyone tuning in today. This has been Nutrition on a Mission, a podcast of the ACA Council on Nutrition. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Nutrition on a Mission Pod and follow Drew and I Iowa, at Iowa Performance Institute for updates on our guests and episode releases. The views and comments expressed are those of the hosts and guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the ACA Council on Nutrition or the American Chiropractic Association.